0: Welcome to Keep Sweet, the Positive World Podcast. I am your host, as always, Joshua Gonzalez, and again today I am joined by my husband, Matt Tolbert. He's here. Hi, y'all. Yeah, we've been doing well, still in this quarantine lockdown world that we are in. Today's good news story. If you remember a few weeks back, the crazy Texas freeze that happened, the terrible weather, the terrible weather that they had, which we will talk about in my interview coming up with DeAndre Upshaw, influencer, TV host, model extraordinaire. But this story comes from that terrible time. <laughs> it's probably not funny, is it? It's it's not funny, but it's very it's fun. Okay it's a laugh. good news story. Yeah, it's okay to laugh. So Texas froze over the this couple had ordered i think food delivered to their house i want to say oh yeah yeah it was a valentine's day steak dinner that they had ordered and their um like door driver or whatever she was a delivery driver she went and delivered their order and it was her last order of the day before, and the roads had already started freezing however she ended up her car like slid into a ditch or a bush by their the flower bed it says in their driveway and she couldn't get it out and then by that time All the roads had started freezing over, so AAA couldn't come out. And so the couple was like, oh, no, you're stuck, and you need help, and like we can't do anything. But they ended up being so, so generous, and they invited her to stay with them in their house. And it ended up being five days that they um, sheltered her in their home and they even split the Valentine's day dinner with her and stuff to make sure that, you know, she was all good and taken care of. And she didn't have to pay for a hotel or like try to have to skid on ice to get to a hotel. So that's really great.
1: That's so sweet. Yeah. I've, I saw that story too. Um, And five days is so long. We don't even let like our parents stay with us for that long or stay with them for that long.
0: Yeah. But like, imagine like a stranger. No,
1: I know. That's what I'm
0: saying. That's crazy. And like, you know, good on that couple for doing that. That's very sweet of them and awesome. And I'm glad that she was able to like not risk her life to try to get somewhere else. That's really great. And that was today's good news story. And now on to this fun interview with DeAndre Upshaw. Hey guys, today's guest on the podcast is a TV host, producer, influencer, and model. Please welcome to the podcast, DeAndre Upshaw. Hi, DeAndre. Hello,
2: beautiful people. How's it going? You look beautiful. And I'm sure everyone who's listening and watching looks beautiful as well. How y'all doing?
0: You look so beautiful. It's so great to see you and talk to you. How about you tell our listeners, my listeners, I guess, our listeners, um, a little bit about yourself.
2: I'm a homosexual. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Texas. I'm a gay Texan. I'm a big gay Texan. I'm six foot seven inches tall. So <laughs> I'm a big gay Texan. <laughs>
0: your DMs are going to be flooded. <laughs>
2: Please, yes, bring it on. I love a DM moment, uh, but I live in Texas. Um, I'm currently a model and commercial talent. You can book me if you want and maybe see me in a commercial um, or modeling clothes on JCPenney's website. I'm a big and tall model. Yeah. so. If you've ever, if you've ever purchased moderately priced big and tall clothing, you might have seen me. (laughs) Um, And I also work in the world of uh, digital video production and post Mm. and editing and uh, cinematography.
0: Yay. And I'm so glad you're here because I wanted to chat today. A little bit about you and you know you are just such a wonderful spirit and like positive personality and big personality and always so fun and energy and like it's just so great and it's been great to watch um you bloom into like your full-fledged self your final form it's been amazing and I just wanted to chat about it first I want to ask do you know that you have a big personality I'm sure you do
2: I do it's Coming from the background that I come from, uh, the Upshaw family business is ministry and education. My father uh, was an educator his entire career um, and also a minister. He's still, he has a church uh, to this day um, that he pastors. My mother is a first lady and an educator. She was a teacher until she retired. My older brother is a minister and my younger sister is a teacher and I'm the gay model. So <laughs> all my life I've kind of been... Both, uh, I have both middle child syndrome, but also gay middle child in a Baptist household syndrome. So I've always known that I was what the young people would call extra, uh, but I've always relished <laughs> in it. I feel like in life you have, uh, especially when you're tall like I am. I was uh, I hit six foot at, by the end of the eighth grade, um, and by the time I was, by the time I ended, I finished my freshman year of high school, I was six, four. Um, and I was six, seven by the time I graduated. And so when you're a tall person, especially a tall person who's who's queer, um, you, you either lean into it or you lean away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know tall people or, or people who are, you know, of big stature, chances are they're either super re- reserved or super outgoing because you have to either own it and accept it or run away from it. And so I realized at an early age that um, I was going to lean into being
0: <laughs> big and loud and <laughs> super extra. It's amazing. And it's so great. And, and it's so weird to me because, like, of course, you're tall. You're, you're very tall. and But to me, I'm 5'5". So everyone is just tall. So, like, I never really understood how, and I still don't think I really grasp how tall you are. I guess, to me, like, to me, it's like the first thing that always catches my attention when you walk into the room is your smile, your personality. And so it's like crazy. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. To me. Like, what do you think most people kind of notice first?
2: A uh, height first. Um, back when I was young and sexy, um, I used to have very long hair. I used to have dreadlocks for 12 or 13 years. Yeah, for a while. Um, I would say that was probably the first. Um, I was also very plus size back before I mm-hmm. lost weight. And so size and height was always something that was sort of the first thing. Now, probably, it's, it's definitely height. I am uh, a secret about me in the modeling world. I am a big and tall sample size. <laughs> um, wow. Which is, uh, Wait, so that's a, that's a thing? Uh, Like there's sample sample sizes for straight size models. Mm -hmm. Um, For big and tall models, for a suit model, which is uh, how I I started um, Mm -hmm. with JCPenney, their sample size suits, uh, it's 50 long for big and tall, which I am a 50 long. Um, But the thing about me um, is that uh, sometimes when you're tall, you can carry your height in like your torso or your legs. I'm kind Mm -hmm. of evenly proportioned. Yeah. Um, And so a lot of times people don't realize that I'm actually very tall because in pictures, if you don't see me next to anything for scale, like I just Mm -hmm. look like a big tall person, but not like that huge.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's so you kind of hit on um, a little bit because when I first met you, you um, you were you were always like your authentic self, like more so than I think anyone we were around at the time, because Spoiler alert, I met DeAndre in college, and we went to a private Baptist university. So there were a lot of um, people who were not always celebrated, and a lot of people who had to hide a lot of things about themselves. But what was interesting to me in why I love DeAndre so much and why I came to love him was he always seemed to be living so much of his authentic self, like you were already at a hundred percent, but then we came to find out, come to find out that there was more to you that we didn't know. And then whenever you did let that out and let that flourish, and you know, you did come out and you did have this major weight change, you went to like 150%. And so you just became so much more of yourself. And it was so wonderful to see and wonderful to see you go through that. And you become hopefully happier and better. And I want to know what made that change happen? Like, was there a specific moment? Was it coming from that conservative environment that you felt like you couldn't do that or or what?
2: Well, I mean... It's a long question. (laughs) Well, I, I think, you know, this growing up as well, going to, you know private Christian schools, like being gay and being out wasn't even on my radar when I was in college. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're so young and you're figuring out your sexuality and but you're also in college. So you're doing all those other things. you know, I focused on college when I, when I was in college. I was like, you know, my dad said, you have four years. And after that, you're on your own. Yeah. And so uh, I was an RA all throughout college. And I was, I worked at the yearbook. And so I was always pretty preoccupied. And obviously I was gay, obviously. In, in retrospect, yes, I knew it and probably others knew it, but it wasn't a focus of my life at that time. Sure. I was at that point still... Uh, very much, and, and I am still a Christian, I'm, I'm not not a Christian, but do I go to church on Sundays? No. <laughs> but at that point in my life, you know, I was in the choir, you know, I was a tenor mm-hmm. in the gospel choir, honey. So um, for me, it was really, it was about figuring out who I was, and sexuality was just sort of like a side thing. I didn't dwell on it too much. Yeah. I focused on creating the best version of myself, um, for that time of myself and for me that was throwing myself into. I was the president of the National Association of Black Journalists I was in the choir mm-hmm. I was an RA we were in an improv group together mm-hmm. um, and so I was doing all these things and that was what kind of defined me in college I did a lot of stuff I was on posters for the school yes the you were and stuff um, and then when I graduated um, I kind of I, I went to I moved to Dallas and I hung out with a lot of the same people but Obviously, life is a lot different when you're not within the constraints of an entire campus full of Christians, you know, life is different in the way (laughs) that you navigate. The world is different. And I met my husband in 2000. Oh, my God, he's going to fight me. Spoiler alert, everyone. He is married. (laughs) I met my
0: husband
2: in 2010. And um, we dated for about four or five years before we came out.
0: Oh, I didn't I didn't Um, know it had been that long.
2: Yeah, we were we were together for four or five years. And for me, it was really about being at a point in my life where I was like, I have someone that I obviously love and I'm going to be with. And it felt stable and it felt like a good time for me to sort of reveal that part of myself. And I remember when the way we came out, he and I went on a cruise. And before we left dock in port, and this is back in the early aughts. So like <laughs> Wi-Fi on a cruise was like... $150 a day. So we knew we weren't gonna have Wi Fi or internet access for at least a week. And right before the ship left, we both changed our relationship status. And then we turned off our phones for a week.
0: That's brilliant. To be honest, that's actually brilliant.
2: I mean, the, for me, the worst part about com- coming out was having the conversation a billion times.
0: Yes. Um,
2: Because you don't come out once, you come out every single time you meet people. Forever. And then for every person that you've known up until that point in in your life, you have to have that conversation Mm -hmm. with them. I I remember calling my sister and being like, listen, I'm gay and I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to have like a moment about it. I don't want to dwell on it. I just want to acknowledge it and move on to the
0: next. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is very important for everyone to hear in the people who aren't gay or queer and want to have that conversation with their loved one that is or the people who are queer and they don't want to have that conversation with their loved one who isn't it's like that conversation isn't owed to that non-queered person and i think that's hard for both parties to wrestle with but sometimes that can be the best thing
2: i mean because yeah and, and i feel blessed and fortunate i have I would say my coming out story is positive. My parents are still in my life. They came to mm-hmm. our wedding. Um, obviously, it was an adjustment um, for the pastor and the pastor's wife. It was something that they dealt with and they work with. And, and throughout that process, I also realized, and this was for immediate family, but uh, even though I knew that I was gay for a long time, this was new to them. Mm-hmm. And so, for you know, my parents, obviously, I let them process and I work through with them. But I told my sister, I was like, "Listen, girl, I really like. <laughs> I don't want to like have a Hallmark moment, <laughs> like because what people I, sometimes I also don't think people understand is that having these conversations for a queer person takes in a considerable amount of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a point when I was planning my wedding, I was planning with my mom, and I would talk, call and I would talk to her, and every now and then she'd be like, "Well, you know." Your, your aunt, your aunt, so and so, you know, probably isn't going to come because of XYZ and you know we love you and blah blah blah. And I had to just be like, I appreciate you telling me this, but like I don't think you understand that it takes a lot of energy for me to have this conversation with you. As as positive as it may be, with her coming back and being like, Yes, we love you, but like the energy of finding out that one of your family members, someone that you honestly don't even like really care about, but like the fact that it's like that there's even that negativity in the midst mm-hmm. of planning something that should be so positive it takes a lot of energy. And I told her, and I was like, I will, ex- I was like, literally, if someone doesn't want to come or they're not, make that note for me, but I don't need to know about it throughout the yeah. process because it takes a lot of energy. And mm-hmm. for gay people and people who have been living their lives in the shadows for so long, mm-hmm. it's a difficult conversation. It, it, it pulls a lot of energy out of you to have it, especially yeah. when it's fresh when yeah. you're young and you're, uh, you know, figuring out a world that's brand new to you.
0: Yeah. I just, I wish everyone understood that and how much it the toll it can take unnecessarily too. So you are, now you're out, Gay Wonderful Self, and then you also have this amazing weight transformation journey, getting into your best, fittest self. Where did that start and come from?
2: I, like, uh, so I was... I was like 415 pounds, which people and size for me is always relative. I'm once again, I'm six foot seven inches tall. So 400 pounds on me is not the same as 400 pounds Mm -hmm. on someone who's five foot. I mean, at 400 pounds, I was in musicals. I did hairspray as
0: seaweed at
2: 400 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember (laughs) many
0: Beyonce-esque hip gyration motions.
2: Yeah. So for me, I was, I was, Big man, I was super overweight, but I was not like immobile. If if that gives you any context to, to where I was, and so I tried to lose weight a couple times in my life, and I had not been successful. And one day I was on Reddit. Stu got me into Reddit. I was always really afraid. Stu of it. is and his now, husband.
0: Everyone listening at home.
2: My my husband Stuart got me into Reddit like four or five years ago, and I remember I was scared of it because all I knew about Reddit was that you know if you did the wrong thing, they would come for you. <laughs> So like, scared from this. I was um, and now I'm like I read it as my number one site exactly but I was I, I was browsing around and I found this uh, subreddit called lose it and it was about people who are losing weight and they talked about the mythology of calories in calories out and calorie tracking mm-hmm. and I had tried it before I um, I had tried sort of calorie tracking a few years earlier but I remember being so frustrated with it and, and not really taking to it. I did it for like two days and I gave up and I'd read some article on, on this subreddit that was like, people who calorie track for two weeks, like see like 70% more success with their weight loss than people who don't or something. I was like, let me just try this for two weeks. And I tried it for two weeks and it worked. Um, Basically calorie tracking, uh, if you're unfamiliar, it's finding out the caloric intake of your food and keeping track of it throughout the day. Every day we burn a certain amount of calories just by existing. And one of the things that I feel like is difficult with health and wellness, especially with weight loss, is people fuzz the line between fitness and nutrition. Um, I had tried a lot of times to lose weight by exercising really hard. I played Mm -hmm. football when I was in high school. I would always go to the gym and work really hard. But what, I, what I've discovered during, and I lost 150 pounds in 365 days, mm-hmm. exactly. I wasn't like trying, but I saw that it was happening. So I was like, girl, let's lean into it. <laughs> uh, but what I discovered is that it takes a lot of energy and a lot of focus to go to the gym. Like going to the gym for an hour is hard. Like I would consider myself in good shape right now. I work out an hour and a half every single day. And going to the gym is hard. At this weight, much less when I had 150 extra pounds. Developing the mental stamina it takes to go to the gym is hard. Being able to actually exercise when you're heavier is hard. And so I took all of that effort that I used to focus into going to the gym and put that towards diet. And so during that year, I I wasn't exercising. I wasn't going to the gym. I didn't have a gym membership. All I did was walk. I got a Fitbit and I made sure I got 10,000 steps every day and I tracked my food every day. And Two weeks turned into a month and then the month turned into six months and then six months was a year and I lost 150 pounds and it was fucking great. I don't know if I can say fucking, but it was fucking great. You can. It was fucking great. (laughs) Um, It it enabled me to be comfortable to go after the type of things that I wanted in life. I proved to myself that I could do something that literally millions of people want to do every day, which is to set a goal to lose weight and to do it. And I had Mm -hmm. done that. And so I was kind of like, if I could do that, I could literally do anything that I want. Yeah. And I have. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yes, I, I, you I have. have. Anything that I want, I go for it. And, you know, you don't always, you're not always successful. I submitted to 20 different modeling agencies before I got signed. Mm-hmm. I showed up to, I got discovered at a Shaquille O'Neal, Penney, <laughs> um, big and tall, model search. Um, I showed up. It was like Shaquille O'Neal is looking for the next big and tall. Oh
0: my God. This is the America's Next Top Model spinoff we didn't know we needed.
2: Honey, I was ready. I showed up like two hours early to a mall in like Grand Prairie someplace. I didn't get it. (laughs) But while I was in line, the director of commercial production for JCPenney was there. He came up to me and he said, uh, let me see your card, let me see your photos. He was like, you know, what are your what's your size, what are your measurements. And he was like, I think that you'd be a really good fit for our e-catalog work. And that's how I got my foot into the door. Wow. But it's kind of like I would have never done that. I would have never been comfortable in myself to do that, to even put myself out there when I was heavier. And not because I hated myself, but because I just yeah. wasn't comfortable. Sure, yeah. And so, for me a lot of it was once I was able to drop both the literal and figurative weight, um, mm. I was able to open myself up to opportunities that the universe presented. I, I was ready when opportunities presented yeah. themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I love that. And I love that, you know, you did make your weight loss journey so public and you, you know, you've been featured in like men's health and a bunch of other magazines and publications and your story has been all over the internet. And, for a lot of people that can be daunting and like nerve wracking and kind of scary to like be a quote inspiration. And I love that you took on that mantle and you do that like in your own platform on Instagram and other socials and like throughout all the things you do, you know, you and Stu were featured in that documentary, a day in the life of America about your gay relationship in Texas. And I'm wondering like how, how does that sit with you knowing that like you are an inspiration and like, where does that desire come from to kind of keep making your story heard?
2: Whenever I get nervous about something that I'm doing in my life. And, and, and when I say nervous, whenever I get anxious sure. or start to second guess myself, It's then that I I know that I'm probably doing the right thing. Anytime that I've been authentic and vulnerable on the internet, it has always paid off for me. Mm. People can sense when you're being inauthentic. People can sense when you're not being genuine. One thing that uh, stuck with me, I was watching some, um, I think I was watching Kim Kardashian's interview with David Letterman on
0: Which that. is an amazing interview. Everyone should Which watch is it.
2: Which an amazing interview. I am not, um, I don't dislike the Kardashians, but I'm not like, I don't watch, I, 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 I only yeah, watch like, same, TV. same. And obviously same. I know who they are. But I remember Kim Kardashian saying that the, that, that vulnerability of, of letting people see the ugly parts is, is what draws people to you. Especially when you're someone who's in the field that I'm in where I'm trying to be a personality. I'm trying to be, someone who influences, I'm trying to be that. Why it was so easy for me to then sort of tell that story to Men's Health and to all the other places was because during the time that I did, during the year that I did it, I only relied on myself. It it was me and my motivation that got me to lose the weight and I was successful at it. So after I did it, I was able to kind of deconstruct and say, this is why it was successful for me. This is why I was able to excel. I didn't have to sell my soul to <laughs> someone selling me shakes. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. Um, I eventually ended up having uh, loose skin surgery, but I didn't have to have. I lost all of my weight naturally mm-hmm. um, when, when, when I was losing. And so. I think the story resonated with people because when you see weight loss before and after success stories, um, a lot of people noted that in my before and after pictures, I was smiling in my before pictures. Like I didn't hate myself when I was, when I was heavier. I didn't, you know, I honestly thought I was the shit when I was 400 pounds. You really did. (laughs) And and I (laughs) I still think that I'm the shit now 150 pounds later. And so I think what, drew people to my story and what made it something that was compelling was that I wasn't someone who hated myself. I didn't feel badly about myself because I was heavier overweight, but I wasn't comfortable. Yeah. And being comfortable with yourself and being able to feel good in your skin, that translates a lot in a lot of other areas. It mm-hmm. makes you feel more com- confident and comfortable in work at work it makes it easier to engage socially, especially if you're a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the way people respond and interact with me at, uh, I'm currently 285 pounds of muscle and pancakes. Um, uh, but the way people respond to me at 420, at 285 pounds is much different than the way they respond to me at 285. Yeah. The attention is different. The way people treat you is different. Um, and obviously, yes, at some level, we all know this. We know that society works in a way that favors people who are conventionally attractive. But it's one thing to know. it; It's another ha- thing to witness it literally firsthand. I mean, yeah. honey, there are people who would not give me the time of day eight, nine years ago who were hitting me up on apps, honey, sliding <laughs> into my DMs. And I was just like, hmm okay, I see you. I see you now. I see <laughs> what type of person you are, but it's human nature. And so yeah. I, just feel, I feel grateful that I've been able to do something that a lot of people want to do, but haven't yeah. been able
0: to. And so now that you have this even more confidence and you are now like used to your story getting out there and your voice getting out there and heard, now what I love is activist DeAndre. And I hope what we will see more of in the future, like, you know, we already touched on you being a part of Jared Leto's uh, documentary, A Day in the Life of America, where, you know, you did talk about the struggle and like how much farther we have to go as a nation for LGBTQ plus couple equality and just way of life. And recently, very recently, you once again made national headlines everywhere as you single-handedly spearheaded the fight against the greedy, greedy utility companies that were surge pricing everyone in Texas during the recent freeze-over that they had. What is making you raise your voice? And do we think activist DeAndre is on the horizon?
2: Um, about a year after I lost weight, I was kind of assessing sort of what I wanted in, in life and, and kind of what I wanted my brand to be uh, because at that point when i lost weight uh i proposed to my husband with a big lip sync video that had gone viral a little viral a little major viral, viral
0: 4 million it was, views it's amazing Amazon.
2: but i had done that and i was getting these articles about weight loss and i kept getting inquiries about weight loss stuff and For me, I I work out a lot. I run every day. Fitness is not my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) I think it's important, but uh, I was getting all these inquiries about like fitness related stuff. And -hmm. I was like, I cannot be the person who lost 150 pounds a few years ago. Like that can't be the end of my Wikipedia entry. Like (laughs) that's not like, I cannot be like just that guy because you know, that's cool. It's wonderful, but that can't be my entire identity.
0: Sure. Um,
2: and so I sat and I was like, what is it that I want this next step for me to be? And um, that's when I started modeling. And then from there, I got into sort of the entertainment news world. But one of the things that, and this goes back to, you know, being, you know, the tall, loud kid, but one of the things that I learned super early on, right after I became an adult when I got to college, is that I've got, both literally and figuratively, I've got a loud voice. And for some reason, I am occasionally able to get attention.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sure, for some reason, we don't know why. For some reason,
2: I'm able to get attention. And I think that part of that, I have a journalism degree. My degree is in journalism and film. And so the few times in my life that I've made sort of national news, I I don't know, I just think I know how to position things sometimes. No, you really do. Um, I, I, I have a big, big, big voice, but I also know how to frame and set up a story in such a way that I think people will care about it. And so my earliest sort of act- activism in college, there were the blackface parties. Um, mm-hmm. One of the I, 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 my freshman year, so this was before you came on campus. So this was a huge hubbub in 2005. One of the fraternities on campus used to have a like a pimps and hoes party, and people would show up in blackface. And Facebook was new at that time. If you've watched the film The Social Network, starring noted cannibal
0: Army Hammer. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> alleged, we have to say alleged. alleged, you're trying to get my podcast taken down.
2: Alleged cannibal army hammer. You know that um, when the Facebook launched in 2004, it had like seven or eight schools. But Baylor University was one of the first schools on Facebook, we were like in the first 10 or 12. So Facebook was new. And this fraternity posted a whole bunch of photos from this party with people in blackface. And I guess they didn't realize that people could see <laughs> that other people could see. And so I was kind of like, this is a problem. <laughs> and that was my first kind of brush with say It was a big thing. We had a whole bunch of meetings about it. News stations were on. I was on WFAA. And that was the first time I was kind of like, I could use my voice to bring attention to things that I think are wrong or interesting. And so mm-hmm. that fraternity got kicked off campus. People were divided. Mm. Because of it, people were like, oh, she was just wearing excessive tan. But she was like dressed, like she was with some guy and he was like Lil Wayne and she was supposed to be like Beyonce Mm, or something. Like he had a grill. It was really tacky and really bad. I've always operated on the philosophy of, if not me, then who? Mm -hmm. If I'm not going to speak out about XYZ, someone else probably is. And they may not be able to do it as good as me. They may not have the same positive intentions as me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the universe just puts you in the right place to be able to tell your story. And for whatever reason, the stories that I have resonate with people. And I think that's a positive thing and I try to use it to be positive. Um, The most recent thing during the great Texas screw up of 2021, my husband and I got charged $7,000 for electricity for five days of electricity during a time in our state people died. And, and, and the, the funny part is I brought this up. I, I did a couple of different interviews. I did interviews with CNN. I did an interview with NBC and NPR. And not a lot of them ran this, but I was like, yes, you know, it sucks. They're charging me $7,000, but I'm still alive. There are people who died. There are people who froze to death in their beds. There are old people who were found outside in their yards who died from hypothermia um, with all their clothes off. Because there's this phenomenon where when you reach the advanced stages of hypothermia, humans want to like either crawl and like, like basically people died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, it sucks that I have the $7,000 bill, but I'm alive. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I still have my health. Why are we not focusing on, there was a family that a fire started in their home because they had to start a fire because they didn't have electricity mm-hmm. and power. And we live in the richest country in the world, but we can't take care of our people. We can't trust our government to do the basic to, to meet us at our most basic needs, which is water and power. And so I stood up and I made, a po- I made a post on Facebook that I thought people probably wouldn't pay attention to. I cussed in it, which I don't... Despite the fact that I've said the effort like four times on this. <laughs> I generally... Yeah, sure my you mom don't, we... My mom's friends with me on Facebook, so I usually don't oh, okay, But okay. I, said, I said, Gritty is out of their damn mind. Gritty is the our electricity provider. I'm a convenient, pretty, brown, gay face who... <laughs> I feel like people occasionally, um, because of that, I'm able to, to have a bit of a platform. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to use it. I'm going to be on the Daily Show talking about how mm-hmm. screwed up this is. I'm proud to be a Texan. I've lived in Texas all my life. I think it's a wonderful place. But for the first time in my entire life, in the past few months, I've been thinking to myself, should I leave this state? Wow. Should I exit? There's just too much fuckery happening. Yeah. And it is difficult. I know I'll probably retire here. I feel like I'll mm-hmm. die in Texas um, but I probably need to take a little break from it. It's, yeah. it it's just terrible But then it's like I moved to another state And we still have the Mitt Romneys And mm. the uh, the um, Oh God uh, The Turtle, McConnell we still have, They're, they're <laughs> everywhere, we can't escape them no, you So <laughs> should I just try to be My little positive blue light Here in the city of Dallas um, And try to make things better Or should I flee I don't know. Who I knows? want
0: you to run for office. I mean, do you think you ever hey, interested in that? Too many skeletons in my closet, darling. <laughs>
2: too many, you know, we don't, we don't want them to
0: look... For, no, I'm just
2: kidding. Um, You're know, like the third person who has said that to me um, in the past few weeks. I barely passed poli-sci in college. So have half um, of our governors. <laughs> <laughs> I barely passed poli-sci. Um, I, uh, I am... One of the many I guess millennials who paid very little attention to the news in politics until two thousand and sixteen. I of course, uh, my the first election I ever voted in was Barack obama <laughs> the The year that Barack Obama was elected president, two days afterwards someone hung a noose on campus. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, I remember that. So I've always been aware of politics, but it wasn't until Donald Trump was elected into office that I began to become a person who would just sit and have MSNBC or NBC or, or CNN on all day and, and try to connect the dots between what was happening. I don't know if I'd be a good politician. I'd probably be rude and curse people out, but maybe that's what America needs. Maybe it maybe, is. You've got America my vote. it
0: a tall homosexual to just kind of come and
2: slap it in the shape.
0: Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. I hope that that happens and I hope that everyone floods your page to let you know how much they want you to run for office and that you do it.
2: Please do. We're going to bully you into
0: running for office. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for being here today and having this conversation with me. I love it so much. What's next for you? Anything you want to plug anywhere people can find you? If you want them, to I have a you. fabulous
2: show that I host called The Outline that is premiering on Reverie soon. Um, we've got eight wonderful episodes shot and ready to go with some of your favorite stars, like Kennedy Davenport. I recently interviewed Queen Nikki Blonsky <gasps> from the seminal film Hairspray. <laughs> we discussed um, how John Travolta reacted when she came out. Um, her favorite queer heroes. Um, and I also got a chance to interview Dawn from Invogue, Vogue, <laughs> who has changed my life. One of the original members of Invogue. And she talks about how there will never be an Invogue Vogue reunion, but you can find Ooh. that. It'll be streaming on Reverie and my Instagram, uh, IGTV. Hey, it's Andre, And uh, keep your eye out for me on all of the big and tall male catalogs. Yeah. Maybe you'll, see, maybe you'll glimpse me wearing a really boring suit or a cardigan.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. Once again, DeAndre, thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking Ah, with you and I can't wait to talk to you
2: soon. We'll, we'll, we'll hang out sometime post COVID. I want me a vaccine and I want it now.
0: Yes. (laughs) It's my vaccine and I want it now. It's
2: my vaccine and I want it now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to the conversation with me and DeAndre. If you want to help the podcast out, you can share it, rate, review it, all that stuff. It really means a lot. You can email me at keepsweetpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Send me in your good news stories, the people you want to see on the podcast. Send me some voice memos that I can showcase on the podcast, maybe asking a question or something like that. Matt is nodding his head yes. Those he... are so
1: fun. Ooh,
0: really? Like, yeah. what do you mean? I haven't heard a podcast. Well, like...
1: we got one one time on Sweet Husbands. Oh. But, like, we weren't really, like... Having guests, you know, right, the right time, right, right. So it was just like a really sweet message. Um, but he was like talking about how he looks up to our relationship and things like that. And it was oh, just like was really sweet so message. Sweet. Um, and we had like kind of stopped doing our like podcast at that point. So it was just like, sure, didn't really have the opportunity to put it in, but sure. um, they're really fun to get yeah. and see.
0: Yeah, we love to, sh- I love to showcase that. So go ahead and sit it in. All right, Matt. So like any like, last words or anything you want the audience to take with them for the rest of this week until next week you know just just keep swimming
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, tomorrow's friday if you're listening to this on the day it comes out so just have the best weekend and as always keep sweet